This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and thank you for listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and for today's episode, I will be doing an interview with filmmaker Scott Homan. In this interview, we'll be discussing his background as a former Jehovah Witness. We will be discussing shunning, and we will also, of course, be talking about his latest documentary film which i invite all of you to please go check out so listen to this interview enjoy this episode and if you have not yet subscribed or liked or given a rating to this podcast please go ahead and do so as this helps the podcast and again enjoy this episode and share it with others thank you Hello, everyone, and welcome. You are listening or watching to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez, and today I have a special guest. He is an engineer, but also he is a an amazing filmmaker. I'm here with Scott Homan. Scott, how are you doing today? Doing great, Ryan. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. It's great to have you on the show. And as I mentioned, you are a filmmaker. Can you tell us what is the name of the project that you are currently working on? So we just wrapped up in every possible word, the wrap up of Witness Underground. It's a documentary about shunning within a high control religion or cult and seeing that through the eyes of music. And one of the main themes of it is processing your trauma uh, using self-expression and music. Sounds very interesting how it has that creative side of um, music, but also there's that dark side of shunning. I'm kind of uh, curious as to understand what drew your attention to this topic of shunning and creativity. So I have a personal background making music and, and film. So it goes way back into my early teenage years. And my my dad and his whole side of the family joined this religion, the Jehovah's Witnesses, when I was young. And um, eventually, to shorten the story to the shortest possible, I got out of it. And um, then it begins the shunning. And it's something that's, there's no dignified way to leave that particular religion. And that's one of the signs of why it's a cult. And it has really deeply affected my life um, to be cut off completely from parents, from siblings, from grandparents, from aunts, uncles, cousins. And, um, and I wanted to talk about it because the punishment, there's, there's risks to doing this kind of uh, film or talking about this topic vocally, having a, I have a YouTube channel and a, a podcast about it. Um, 
but the the risks are that you they won't speak to you again but that already started that was like that's day one punishment so i was like well i have really nothing to lose with these relationships they don't exist anymore and that is that is interesting that's the topic um so i'm just gonna lean into it instead of being just hurt by it or affected by it in a negative way i'm gonna lean into it and uh, make a movie about it because it's that's my form of art and expression and I want to not just suffer alone in, in this experience, but show the world how dark this religion really gets. And we won an award at a horror film fest, if that tells you anything about how dark this movie is. <laughs> so it, it does sound pretty dark, uh, but it is reality that shunning does happen. Uh, can you kind of give a few examples, if you can, without maybe spoiling the whole movie of... How does your documentary expose shunning? We demonstrate shunning specifically following a group of five musicians who all knew each other. Um, they weren't in a band together. They were in all separate bands. Um, and one of the guys is an author now. He made a lot of the music videos and, and short films and trailers and goofy creative stuff that they were doing. Um, these five people all knew each other, had different relationships, but they all had this unified thing in that they all made music and art together. And it went on for like 17 years and they called their group nuclear gopher. And it wasn't the name of the group of musicians. It was like a music and art community that spanned like four or 500 kids across um, a whole state, but specifically Minneapolis, St. Paul, twin cities and near where I grew up, but I would grow up about four hours away from there and it got into my orbit. So in like four hours away in Wisconsin, and there's another guy on our team. He, he got into it and played their music festivals back in, the early 2000s out of St. Louis. So like we were like, me and him are kind of like on the outer orbits of this music community. Um, one of the losses of shunning that are demonstrated in the film, we, one of the main, there's two main people that we follow their kind of their full exit story. And then what happens after as they kind of fully realize their, their art and their craft and their voice um, throughout the film. There's like a, there's a whole, like it gets better, happy ending to the movie. Um, but the losses, especially with Ryan Sutter, he's like the founder of the Nuclear Gopher production company and, and music studio and um, kind of a champion of all the arts at that time within that religion in their little bubble. His losses are super extreme um, and, and not uncommon. I mean, I also had very similar losses, but his just like one after the next in this crazy cascade. Um, his, um, his wife left him the day he told her he doesn't believe in the faith uh let's see he doesn't he never talked to his father again and it's been like 18 years um like big big losses and there's and like loss of innocence you lose your community your friends cut you off um that kind of thing it's like that's the universal experience of leaving this religion um families that are inside are trying to like get legal custody of your children in legal battles that go on for years. And they treat the, they just really like try to trash your reputation to everyone who's still in the religion and even to your own children um, and your own family members. And they, and, and, yeah, go ahead. And um, it's for me, it's important that you are exposing this because it's not just in that one small community of Jehovah's Witnesses, there are several cults outside of Jehovah's Witnesses that do the same thing. Uh, but I think that shunning isn't something that is exposed enough, and it actually uh, gets swept under the rug far too far too often. But here you are making a documentary film exposing this and how painful it can be. Um, 
do you have any personal experience with shunning? And if so, would you be open to share that? Yes. And, and that is the deep motivation behind telling the story because there's a lot of negative things with this particular group and other similar types of high control groups, um, coercive groups. Um, but my, I didn't expect this because my, my family, um, my dad joined this religion and a lot of his family members and my siblings and even my mom's like wrapped up in it, even though she's not a full member. Um, they haven't, they specifically like put a hard line. We're not going to talk to you again until everyone's dead basically. And so I haven't, I, I've had two conversations with a few of my family members um, because I went to their house and surprised them with my visit because they won't respond to emails, phone calls, text messages, anything that I'm like, I'm deleted from their lives essentially. And they have to do that out of fear of being treated the same way by their own community members and the rest of our family. Um, so like, I feel for them. Like, I feel like they're the real victims, you know, like the people that are in the religion are, are the victims because they're, they're being coerced through mind control to do these things that are very unloving, like the opposite of love. Like they're doing, it's emotional abuse. Um, and so, yeah, I have been cut off from family personally. And that was the deep motivator to go and, and make a piece of art about it. Cause that punishment is like day one. And, and then there's really nothing to lose about talking about it and being vocal about it. It might hurt them on some level. And that's not the goal of the project. Like they might suffer socially from this movie existing and their own family member being a part of it in their community, in that religion. But I don't know at some point, like those relationships don't exist anymore. They're totally dead. And I can't care anymore if they don't care at all kind of thing. Anyway, yeah. so I'm not trying to hurt them. I just want to expose this. So other people can be warned that this religion is, is not a healthy thing to join. They, they tell you, basically, people think that they're like a benign Christian group who ha are well-meaning and just like to talk about Jesus and like focus on that thing. But they're actually like a coercive mind control cult who believe that you're all going to die at the hands of Jesus and they act accordingly. They don't really care about anyone outside of their own group. Yeah, what I thought was that, you know, I see Joe Witnesses outside the park or outside. I don't know. I see them outside. Uh, sometimes standing there, I thought they were like, you know, very nice, loving Christians who are praying for us and who uh, wish the best on the world. Uh, but then I'm uh, uncovering through, uh, you know, having guests like uh, yourself and also a, a quick shout out to uh, Micah that, um, you know, Mike what Elmash, they're oh, he's... mentally diseased and the apostasy book trilogy that he's written. Shout out to Micah. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm starting to realize that it's, it's not what I thought. That's what I thought as an outsider. But uh, speaking to insiders, I see that there's more of a kind of uh, a, a darker mentality behind what they're doing, uh, which is unfortunate. And like you said, uh, you feel that they are in some ways also the victims because they have all this coerciveness behind them. Uh, I'm kind of curious how did it feel when you were able to find your voice, express yourself through creativity and filmmaking and how, how much of an impact has that had on your life? It's a great question. Thank you for asking that. It, it's been an interesting journey making this movie specifically. Like I made another movie about music, but it has no real depth to it. It's just like, Hey, here's music in another country and culture in Vietnam. And that was sort of like the prototype. Can I do it? Can I make a whole movie? 
And this one was the one that was burning, the burning desire to tell this one personally. And to actually dive in, lean into the story that's like deeply personal, um, felt like a, like a personal attempt at therapy and without ever having any real therapy before making the movie. And I started out with a different series that is on YouTube called XGW Coming Out and using the language of coming out, like it's a similar experience to um, what a LGBT community member might experience when they finally reveal that they live a different lifestyle than is considered standard. Um, they can be ostracized by family and friends mm -hmm. and you never really know who you can trust until you kind of say it and then, all right, the, the cards will fall where they may. Um, it's a, So we use that language, but I was sort of leaning into this story like, and I was behind the camera and in this movie, this was, was like the born of that project. Um, but those were individual interviews and talking about talking to that person and then showing their modern life. Like, how did you land on the outside after that tragic thing? Like, what's your story? Where did you land? How did it work? Let's show the audience like that you sort of got somewhere and that you're okay or that you're enjoying or that you're thriving, however, whatever place you're in. And this, this movie does a similar thing. But what's beautiful about it is that they had um, this uh, music collection, short film, old like old film and archive movie collection that they gave as a documentary. Um, but to your question, um, how has it been for my personal journey? It's been hard because I've then had to face, and I'm editing alone, right? A documentary and directing a documentary, the edit, the directing's in the the edit, and it's yeah. like I have ten more. 10 times more content that I need than then can fit into a movie or more, probably 20 times. Um, so you have to like decide well, how, what impact is this making? Like, how does it make me feel? How does it make the, how does it make the audience feel? Does this like have the emotional hit it needs to make the point I want in a way that is like entertaining, but also powerful. Um, does the music feel emotional enough for this particular given topic in the way this person's emoting right now? And there's a lot to the pieces to the puzzle, but then I would, like get triggered by my own movie making and then need to take like a break for months as I'm going through the process. And um, it was a lot and it took a lot longer than I expected. I thought I could like, Oh, let's knock. I did the other movie in like, you know, 30 total days over the course of a few months, you know, some months. And um, this one was like so heavy and so important to me to get it right. And to also like care, like I don't want to exploit the vulnerability of the people that I'm filming with. I want to make sure that they're happy. So I invited the subjects of the movie, the people that I interviewed for them, this film into the editing process, which is then a lot more that's personal for them because it's like their stories on camera. And then they have very nuanced, like specific things they don't want said, specific things they do want said. So there's like lots of like multi-person curation to get it just right for everyone's like th happy with it, thrilled with it. Um, but even still, like I'll watch it um and, and get emotional at one or two parts and i've seen it a thousand times and it still hits me because <laughs> it's so personal and i think that's why it's important for other people to watch it it's especially not, not only Jehovah's witnesses but especially those who uh have been through like abusive environments or, or who have been through shunning because shunning isn't only it's it's not only uh in the cult world it's it happens all over society where there's uh, shunning there's bullying there is uh there is conditional love and they'll say hey i love you but i'll only talk to you if you believe the way i do it's very conditional yeah. and yeah. so on a personal level for the audience you know them watching it can also resonate with so many people outside of 
the XJW community, which I think is something powerful and which can connect with the audience. It was very, thank you for bringing that up. It's very important for us to reach beyond the bubble of the former Jehovah's Witness culture. Um, there's plenty of content being made in that space and they're hitting the notes and they're talking about the news and what is the religion doing and the hypocrisy. And it's just like, it's like a mountain of stuff. You'll never watch it all if you're in that community. But I wanted to make a movie that bridged the gap between um, to humanize this experience and also make it relatable to someone who's never had any um, interaction with that religion or culture, because it's not just about that religion or culture. These are, this kinds of experiences can happen anywhere and we also sort of demonstrate something that's powerful for so any kind of human being from any walk of life and that you can use the power of art and creativity to help help cope when you're in a difficult situation and help process when you finally like break free. It might even help you break free. And I feel like just people writing their songs and performing them, even though they weren't talking on any kind of religious topics, they were very secular, feeling empowered to say whatever you want and sing it from a stage to an audience, or even if you're just doing it in your bedroom privately, like that's an emotional release because you're, you're, you're having your own voice. You're, you're speaking, you're, you're doing a self-empowerment act by, by saying what you want, where like you're often, especially in this kind of group, told what to think, how to think, what to say, what is correct, what is not correct, what the rules are, stay within these boundaries, if you're making art, you're sort of outside of that. You're sort of breaking yeah. out of that thing. And, and that's um, yeah. that's something that I love about um, uh, that you capture in the film is it, it's it's following these individuals who are into music and you know music for me personally and you know all forms of art. It's very like you said. It's it's supposed to be outside of boundaries, very expressive. Uh, and you mentioned how one of the um, one of the persons who is in your your film, how he is now a an author. Mm -hmm. um, so you see this creativity uh, even after uh, leaving Jehovah Witnesses. Uh, but I wanted to ask: Have you seen people who who have left the cult and are still closed or shelled? And like, have you seen people who haven't really healed? Um, how does that, how does that look? Or were you ever personally in that, in that bubble? I think my deconversion, um, happened while I was in the religion, um, over the course of my entire life. Like I was kind of skeptical in few ways throughout my life and resistant to their pressure and coercion more so than maybe the average witness, a lot more so than the average, I think. And, um, there are, there's an interesting thing. I feel when I started doing this film, like when I, when I left, I was like, okay, I don't have to do any of that anymore because none of it's real. It's all a fiction. Wow. How, how did I put up with that for so long? I never really believed in this and this and this and that. And this. I can't believe that I'm like still in my mid twenties, like still in this thing. So when I walked away, it was like, I'm done. And I don't need to look at it again. I didn't need any, any more like deconversion logically or otherwise. I had been doing that for like a decade or more. Um, but a lot of people don't have that. They get the rug swept out from underneath them and they just begin the deconversion process right then. And it's a lot of, it's like, it's a lot to handle for a lot of people and tragically people end their lives at that point because it's too much for a lot of people. But what I've seen when I started making this movie, um, 
I'd already been doing the interview process with XUW coming out for two years. And then I was like, well, there has to be other people like me, for sure, other people have left this religion. Who are they? Where are they? I started looking on the internet for the first time to see if there's other former Jehovah's Witnesses who are saying anything on the internet. I'd never thought to do that or cared. And um, I was surprised to find so many groups. There's like, with all the numbers of groups at the times 2018, when I started the process, um, there was like 70,000 people in just Facebook groups in like 18 different languages or something. So I started writing in all of them in using Google Translate and I speak some Spanish and some German and I was writing Japanese. I don't speak Japanese, but using Google Translate, I was like, do you guys want to, like, I'm trying to make this movie. What? And I'm not the only one trying to make something like this. There's like hundred YouTube channels on the topic. Um, but I was surprised to see like there's people, it seems like there's like a grief process where it's like people are angry and upset and disillusioned and can barely believe that this is the situation that they're in, that they've lost their family all of a sudden. Um, and and they're, they want to like, they want to go make something. And they always, it seems like everyone feels like they're the first one to do it. They're like, I have to do this thing to expose the watchtower organization. Um, and, and what I found is like, it seems like five, zero to five years after getting out, leaving or getting kicked out, um, people are making a lot of content, saying a lot from this voice of like, this is outrageous. Ah. And then it sort of like chills out from five to 10 years. And then there's like a 10 to 15 and on where it's like, oh, I'm, I have my whole life now and I have like a relationship or like I moved to another place and like I have a career or they, they got their degree in college and they're like, they're very much focused on the present and the future. But there's a, like the five to zero to five, especially they're looking back into the religion, like what are they doing? And they're like wishing they had their friends and upset <laughs> and like five to 10 years, like this transition zone. And that's, and it was like my eighth year when I started making the interview process. Um, trying to expose this idea of shunning and like bring awareness, like how to land on the outside. And it's like one of my proudest things is landing on the outside and living my life the way I wanted to after leaving. I absolutely love it. And I, I feel like all the movies, most of the movies and, and documentaries on the topic have been very much like, what is the trauma? Let's focus on that. And then they roll credits and it's like reveling in that, the drama of the trauma. And I wanted to make something that didn't do that. So I wasn't proud of my background and I am proud of my background and how I've, transition and successfully navigated cult mind control like not everyone can say that like some people get sucked into a cult and they don't even know it um and it's the few of us that get out who are like the self-selected strong willed group who have despite all of the programming and coercion gotten away from this control system that's really manipulative like we're a special breed of people and we have a lot to say and we've like we figured out the path right um but yeah, there's a lot of people who are kind of stuck and, they, and, and there's even like special language. Um, they call it POMO, physically out, mentally out. That's me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not in physically or mentally. Then there's people who are physically out, mentally in, who, um, who, who are stuck still years after, it could be decades, the rest of their life. Maybe they're stuck in the belief systems of programming still functioning in their brain. They kind of have to, you kind of have to like melt that, like, like, realize what the programming is, where it comes from, and then rebuild something to replace it. Like, well, what do I really believe? Why does this, why does this make sense or not make sense? Like, let's find out what logical fallacies are and then realize when they're being used against you um, to coerce you or manipulate you. Um, there's a lot of work, personal work that you need to do to do that. And a lot of people haven't done that, don't know how to do that, haven't learned how to do it. And then, and there's the physically in, mentally in, which is like an active member yeah, um, they call it PME, POMI, POMO. <laughs> so like they have these little acronyms, um, but they're really it's accurate, and people are all different stages.
and it's, there's no problem. Just need to like realize where you're at and then work on it. I'm glad that you you brought this up, especially with the timeline. Um, because I'm actually in my eighth year. I believe in I'm in my eighth year outside of the cult that I was in, and you know I've been really. I I see, I I see. Looking back, I see my own uh, timeline of struggling. You know, uh, upon leaving, I had that. I was one of those who was, uh, pomy. Is that correct? Physically, yeah, mentally, yeah, mentally yeah. I was yeah. totally pomy. Am I am I using it? Am I using I the think correct? So. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was such a pomy. <laughs> um, but it, it it took me a long time. But I didn't have the tools to express myself and. I had lost so many friends and, you know, people whom I trusted, you know, that's all out the window. Plus there's the shunning and then not, not just the, the act of being the victim of shunning, but also uh, kind of like leaning back to what, you know, Micah Lash, you know, what he's spoken about in his books, you know, also feeling that I'm a source of being mentally diseased, feeling that I'm the problem here and then trying to unravel and, you know, opening my eyes to hey there's there's a life that i can i can live to the full and for me to live to the full i had to find my voice and uh it it, it did become a healing journey for me uh so with that i wanted to ask uh how has this film uh, uh not just this film but being a filmmaker uh being able to connect with other xjw's all over the world how has that made an impact in your personal journey? And how do you think you connecting with others has impacted other people in their journey? The connection across the world with other former witnesses um, has been something that started the process of making the interview series, actually, because I was like living, I was living in Asia and I had dated someone um, who we never talked about being part of that religion during the time we dated and then like a year later like she wrote me like hey something happened and i want to talk to you about it and when i found out that she was a part of that religion it was like oh my god that's crazy and yeah. i was when i was in asia I, I was living with this woman from england with a group of people like it was like a shared living space and um it was we lived together and partied and done all kinds of crazy stuff together and it was like six months into that relationship where she like revealed that she was also a part of that thing like everyone's keeping it a secret for some reason like trying to leave it in the past um but like I, I have deep respect for these people because it's not just like, they're not just like weak minded people who got trapped in a cult. These are like strong willed, creative, experimental, like people that I respect deeply. And I didn't know that that I was going to find that. And I kind of tried to distance myself from that faith and that background. But once I realized like, Oh, these are like really, really special individuals all over the world. I kind of want to get to know them because like we have this interesting shared background and I want to know what they did with their lives. I'm like absolutely loving the interview process. And I, now I have the podcast, the witness underground podcast, which is like the extension of this movie, the same format, like artists who've left this particular cult, but like we're expanding that to like artists who've left cults. Um, and I, I love it. Like I had a conversation recently with a, a lawyer who's an ex witness in Japan, but while he was a witness, he learned Spanish to help, for some reason, there's like Spanish population in Japan. So him and I had like an hour long phone call about the like his research on blood transfusions and how many people have been martyred in that religion and died in Japan and how it's becoming like national news in Spanish. And like now there's like there's like a whole global activist culture. I had a conversation with a guy in Norway recently who herds goats 
but he's like a big activist in, in Norway. And in Norway, they're doing a lot of real interesting human rights activism against shunning. And they just actually delisted Jehovah's Witnesses as an official religion in the, in the country. They no longer get funding um, because of his activism. And um, it's amazing to have like a global network of people working in human rights and working in politics and working in affecting real positive change for humanity. This is a dangerous mind coerced mind cult filled with coercion and manipulation. And, you know, they're dangerous. Like they're in your neighborhood and we want to make sure you're aware and we want to get rid of them to as greater degree as we can and bring awareness to what they're actually doing and how they actually function. Um, I love it. I love, I love the global community side of it. And I've lived abroad for eight years. So like, I feel very much like a global citizen on this planet more than like, I'm an American. Like I'm a, I'm a planet, I'm a earth citizen. (laughs) Okay. So, um, do you see, I mean, you've already mentioned that you did a documentary the first, or you did a film the first time about music in Vietnam. Uh, now you have this, this new, this new film. Uh, can you remind us the name of the film? Witness Underground, witnessunderground.com. And we have a Kickstarter going right now because we're releasing the movie right now. And so your show is a part of our advertising to get it out in the world day one. And it will still be at that URL, witnessunderground.com. But right now is like, if you want to support the film, you can get it for the first time right now. Okay, so if for, for those who want to support the film, they just go to, again, the website? Witnessunderground.com. Perfect. So to the audience, go check out witnessunderground.com. Support uh, this project that Scott is doing. And to kind of start wrapping things up, um, what are your goals after this? I mean, are, are there any more projects? Do you see yourself perhaps maybe doing like a – I know you mentioned earlier about how it's taken up. You have so much content and you have to kind of break it down to fit into like a watchable film. But in the future, do you, do you see yourself perhaps making a series or maybe writing a book? Where, where do things go from here? Great question. I have, so the YouTube series, the XW coming out as a YouTube series that that's ongoing. We have two seasons out already on our YouTube channel by the same name, Witness Underground and uh xw coming out is that series and i have like 18 more episodes in the can already for that so that's like an ongoing process season three is going to be all the um con extra content from this movie witness underground the documentary following all the other interviews from it and we have the podcast which extends uh for this film the witness underground podcast which is the same kind of idea um which i love actually my what the love i found during this process of making this movie was that like, it takes a long time to make a movie. And yeah. I've always wanted to do that, run it through the film festivals, which we did. We, w- we went to 11 festivals, which is so good. Like six, seven of them are like really good festivals. And we won that award at Genre Blast. Shouts out to Genre Blast. Um, they're amazing. Um, but I found, I started doing a podcast then. Cause I was like, well, how do we market this film release? I don't know. Let's, I've always wanted to do a podcast. Let's give it a try. And season one is a bit wonky and like focus on the film festival run. Season two has been like deeper musician interviews i love doing it and you can take a, a single interview and turn it around in a couple weeks or a week or a month or depending on how long it takes but like a film's like years of your life and years before that message gets out into the into the world so i and i'm a huge podcast listener i listen to like 30 to 50 hours of podcasts a month in a normal this kickstarter month is not a normal month so i haven't been but normally i listen to a lot i love long format and i love creating it i love helping out artists like put their out, art out into the world and creating a platform where it's a place where you can find amazing art. And I, I feel like we're carving out a, a new kind of genre, like post-faith music, post-cult music and art and literature. 
And like, what is the process of, of completely changing your worldview? How does that work? There's a lot of memoirs in the space. There's a lot of self-help books in that space because it's a, it's a difficult process, but it's also such a huge rewarding process. And a lot of the music highlighted in our film and in the Kickstarter, we have 32 albums and like 12 of them are from in the religion, like fully secular, non-religious music. And then there's like, I think it's 16 albums from that same community who made art about leaving this faith and like finding their voice, which is like really empowering music and really like they're amazing musicians. They're not just, it's yeah. not some weird quirky. Um, there's a, there's a show in, in New York called music of mind control by Micah something, another Micah. Um, <laughs> we, we were on his show, but like, I love that concept. There's a lot of really bizarre music there. And I want to say like this music in our film, he's doing great work, <laughs> but like, I feel like we're, we've got something that's like, really really powerful really catchy um empowering music you're gonna i wanted this to be the soundtrack to your life and and the, the nuclear gopher and post nuclear gopher music is special and then beyond that the witness underground podcast the music that we've highlighted from musicians all over the world is also part of the kickstarter and is also something that we're going to keep on pushing out there and bringing in new artists and like highlighting their music and it's it's super fun and i love to keep doing it so i'll probably the witness underground podcast will continue on as an extension to this film. I love it. And to, to the audience, go please subscribe to uh to the channel, uh your to your YouTube channel and to you know follow up all, all your work and please support uh this project. I've had the opportunity of watching uh this documentary or at least most of it and I find it to be very uh a very important message that needs to be heard uh by many people out there that you know shunning sucks but there can be a life outside of of that bubble so again thank you so much scott for sharing uh that message i think it's a beautiful message that people can live outside of uh the shunning world and i'm i'm glad that you've using you're using your talents to make such important projects such as this film thank you so much i really appreciate that ryan uh, and i'm excited for for our future we're gonna work together again all right. Well, uh, thank you so much. And to the audience, uh, you've been listening to the Truth That Heals podcast. I am your host, Ryan Anthony Hernandez. And you've been listening to me speaking with uh, filmmaker Scott Oman. Have a wonderful day. <laughs>